0: Welcome to the Go Low Show, where it's about golf, grit, and your pursuit of greatness. My name is Kyle Alderick, and I am your co-host, along with my man, John Weir, mental game coach extraordinaire. And in this podcast, we're going to show you everything that you need to know about how to go low in your golf game. And we're excited to bring you that show right now.
1: Expect
2: anything different?
1: Is it his time? Yes! Comes.
0: All right, it's time to go. No, 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 no. Martin, help me with your last name. Is it Golobic?
2: Golobic, perfect. Yeah.
0: Wow. All right. So, Martin Golobic, it's uh, great to have you. And again, we were talking just a little bit before we got going here, but you know, let's let's dive in. You were talking how you uh, um, originally tested as an INTP, and this is interesting because we get this question quite a bit um, you know I, I might have tested it or this I could be a little bit of both you know we get a lot of those things so this will be really cool to clear up in this in this um, episode and talk about that so I'll let you kind of go back
2: into what you were just talking about yeah so I'm an isTP but initially I was an inTP when I took the test and I couldn't tell you what actually felt wrong about it um, it seemed like I was, the more I looked at the target, right? Because that was what the teaching is really is, okay, you got to be 80% looking at the target. And to be honest with you, the more I did that, the more my brain started going nuts with possibilities where it's like, oh, well, you know, am I lined up right? And that's one of my biggest issues is, and why I want to talk to you guys is I feel like when my perception and intention don't match up, like my golf game goes haywire if you put an alignment rod down in front of me and I never look at my target, like I'll just hit balls pretty, not under pressure, I'll hit them really consistent. And I'm like, well, what's going on here? And that led me to kind of reach out to, I think to both of you at one point and saying like something just feels off.
1: Mm -hmm. And that's an easy determiner. I mean, right away, when you look at types, if you're going against what your natural strength is, you get that uncomfortable feeling And, and what you're describing would be true to the ISTP starting to go into stress, looking out too much at the target, seeing possibilities, and then it kind of floods you with some doubt in that ability to get the job done. And so for anybody out there who's in between, oftentimes, uh, you mentioned earlier, we're trained or we learn sometimes to go against what our natural strengths are. Um, And so we try to implement it. But whenever you align with what you do well, it becomes very, very clear, especially once we bring these distinguishers. So you using the alignment rod and making a move and putting your energy there would be very consistent with that sensor approach. Um, Good aim and alignment plus this nice move or feel in my golf swing is always gonna be producing a pretty consistent result. Um, Even the questions you're describing at address sometimes would indicate you slipping into stress. So for sensors, if you're you're setting up to the ball and you start having entertaining any questions, especially like, am I? Any am I questions or what if questions, it's indicating right there that one, we're not 100% committed and the intuition factor of your mind is at work. So we're entertaining again, what's ahead. The, The only thing you can really do in that situation is literally back off the ball. And if you back off the ball with discipline there, it's a stroke saver. Uh, oftentimes players worry about having slow play and things, but bad shots result in slow play, having to go find it, look for it, backing off the ball is always a stroke saver and is is the way to go. And in that case, what you got to do is either realign and get to that knowing like I'm set proper, or we got to look at that routine to see where we haven't got specific enough as a sensor, uh, to really have that full commitment. Maybe it's just aligning more of a clear ball flight. Maybe it's connecting more with what your job or responsibility is at address, and then bring that into the green zone. And that's going to wipe out some of those, those questions.
2: I, I can't tell you, John, how many times I've pulled the trigger with a question of, God, my alignment doesn't look right. And the end result is just really bad. Usually it results into something like, I, I don't know like how that even was possible, And I played in a tournament in December, a national club champion, call it championship. And the second day, every time I looked up at my target, I was the question in my mind was, gosh, that doesn't look right. That looks left. Am I aimed right? And I still would pull the trigger and each time a really bad result. Even like I think I hit one almost off the hosel one time. And I was like, I don't even know where that comes from.
1: Yeah. And I would say uh, maybe a, a change for tournament play would be relying a lot more on your intermediate target. Uh, versus getting far out there. I mean, you're the same type as Tiger. Go and evaluate a lot of his routines and, and really study and look where his eyes are going. Very little is Tiger going out towards the target. In fact, there's a majority of his tension, even setting in, is intermediate spot, intermediate spot check, maybe a quick target check, but the bulk of his energy is going to that intermediate spot. And it's oftentimes a lot easier to set up and align well there to have a lot more comfort for a sensor than engaging a target far out into the distance. I mean, you can even see Justin Rose doing his alignment with his with the shaft of his club back there to ensure like that spot is representative of the far target. And if you're set good to that and you know you're square there, that's gonna allow you to have a lot more confidence keeping your mind more player side and executing that task. Um, but it, you're not the only one that has that challenge. Uh, take a look at another cool video on YouTube called Tiger Zone and you can hear him describing a lot of the same things you're talking about there. He had a challenge visualizing, seeing a lot of possibilities and you'll hear him at the end saying, you know, what it really is, is me in that present moment boiled down to just executing my task, just that one simple thing. And so, uh, we got to use that stroke saver back off, recommit to that task in those situations and go right into your intermediate spot.
2: And, and so John, I'm curious, cause I, I love personality things. And obviously the, 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 you know, the, the letters is, you know, you can apply that in many different ways. And so I've taken a test non-golf related based on the same principles. And and by the way, I tested exactly the same. So that helped validate obviously, but it also gave me information like, Hey, you're actually like 52% S 48% N -hmm. And, and how do you like, is I know there's one dominant one, but is there any like coaching to people that might be like really cuspers almost there?
1: Well, that's an interesting question. So what you've already dove into is is level one of mental golf type. So obviously, personality has a lot of layers. And so to avoid overwhelming people or over complicating things, we started with just the base letters and talking generally about how those letters are performing. When you start really diving into level two, you start looking at what your specific modes of operating are. And for an ISTP, What you have is, is your sensing and intuition are actually your two and three functions. So we have four dominant modes of operating. We have introverted uh, thinking is your number one. So internally processing a lot of the logic, seeing the task. Uh, Your second function is extroverted sensing. So you're probably very aware of a lot of the details in the present moment when you're at your best. That type of perception function works like a Doppler radar. It's like scanning the now. And when you're at your best, you're scanning, picking up all the important details in your environment, all around you, and you go into your mind and you hash out the logic, get it down to the bottom line. Sound like you? Yep. So then your third function, though, is actually introverted intuition. So that's being inside of yourself, now entertaining possibilities. And when you're at your best mode or your best functioning and you're using sensing as your dominant... This third function for anybody is kicking in as a compliment. So as you define and talk out, let's say specifics of your shot, or you're looking at the environment and getting very clear, that intuitive function kicks in and says, yeah, I can see that outcome. I can see that result because we have the steps and I have my task. So that's very likely that I can see it. And it's a nice image and picture of what you could go and do. The challenge is, is when we start dominating or using that third function too much, it becomes like a quicksand and it starts linking up with our other evaluation factor, which for you is extroverted feeling. So if you start entertaining too many possibilities, we might see more of a, an outburst emotionally. We might see you become more expressive of your feelings that you normally kind of keep contained. You might start getting distracted with people and things around and saying you know why are they doing this um so you're right in the fact that those are your mid zones and so for an istp it's really important that you're managing your perception and what that is for you is is staying a lot more present focused on the details now what the experience is showing you what your senses are showing you your eyes and things and avoid getting too caught up into the speculation if you start getting too much into the intuitive factor, what you're going to notice is more possibilities. What ifs, uh, you're going to start getting more into the future. You're going to start becoming more outcome heavy. And again, if things you're too emphasis on the outcome, it doesn't go right. Then again, it's, you're going to see some of that emotion come out.
2: What are some of the self-talk items that I can say in my mind, when I catch myself, you know, make it up You're You're in the second hole. You just bury the first and you set a wedge to like, Ten feet, you're like, oh, if I make this, I'm two under through two, right? It's that kind of stress. But what are some of the self-talk items that you would be encouraging me to be thinking about at that point?
1: Well, it's okay that you say if I make this, I'm there, but we just can't linger there, okay? So it's about like kind of managing your ends and means in your focus, right? So if you're thinking about the ends, it's okay, but bring yourself back to the means, okay? Well, what's my steps? What's my process here, right? And if you keep bringing it back to what you're in responsible and what your job is. Okay. Yeah, I can do that. I can birdie this and go two under, I'm going to lock down my process. What's my job here. I'm going to get a good read, nice stroke, just an example, but it's all about bringing your locus back to the means. What are you responsible for? What, what can you direct and and follow the steps of your routine? And if you stay process driven, then you're going to find that those outcomes are going to be naturally produced. And so I would just keep saying, What's the net? What's my process? What's my target here? What's my goal? And then bring it to the task.
2: And when you think of kind of for my profile for called the data site, I love data. Like, so I love having a yardage book and it being, Oh, you're five up. And then I know trackman basically told me that if you're into the wind, the wind's going to hurt about one and a half times its factor. So if it's a 10 mile per hour wind in general, I'm rounding that. Okay, this is a 15 yards hurting. I'm up five, there's 20 I'm adding to my shot. And I think through things that way, is that negative or positive for my process for kind of figuring out what the task is?
1: Yeah, I think it's 100% great. And it's you just find your data points to give you that certainty, whatever it is to cut it to the bottom line. So in your decision-making, you're always cutting it down to the bottom line of what's my most logical, smartest shot here. What's the one I pull off with the highest percentage? And it's just cut it to the bottom line. That's what thinkers do really, really well. If you're struggling to get to the bottom line, start verbalizing the details, start verbalizing the facts that you know about the shot. And that's going to help you to reduce your options. If you get down to two, then I would rely more on like your pros and cons. And if you start weighing the pros and cons, you're going to have a nice logical approach there. You'll have a high percentage shot. And if the percentages are aligned with the thinker, they typically have a lot of confidence going in knowing it's the right club. It's the right play. Kyle, do you have anything to add on that?
0: Yeah. I was just thinking when you said that, you know, you said, I like data. I like all these things. And, you know, I was kind of looking over at John because John and I are pretty close to the opposite of you. (laughs) I think both our heads were spinning when you were saying all that stuff Um, because I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't, you know, I just need like a little wind and, you know, I kind of look at the elevation baseline it, whatever. And that's it. Like then when I get too much of that stuff, it just bogs me down. I'll I'll almost always overthink it. It'll stress my mind a little more. Um, but you said like, I like that stuff. And I think that's the biggest thing with all of this is like, you're saying when I do this and I like these things, that's really important about these, um, these mental golf types is that it's, I'm comfortable doing this. This is the way I like to do it. Uh, I think it's important because when it's not you, it's, it's usually forced. You know, I've tried to do that stuff before because it makes sense, but it's very forcing and very taxing on my mind.
2: Yeah, go ahead.
1: John. So, Martin, to add to that, I think Decade's a great system for thinkers. I have no affiliation with them, but I think that they really break it down for a thinker with a really logical, analytical approach. Uh, what you want to avoid, though, in some of your decision making is bringing some of that emotion into it. I mean, we're really trying to be as objective as we can because... The emotion there is going to shroud your analytical ability and it's going to it's going to make it harder to reduce it down to the bottom line for your shot but get a system in place like decade uh, the one thing i would probably caution though is is trying to prescribe too much ahead of time what your rounds going to be um, because one of the big tendencies of an istp or any perceiver who tends to be more spontaneous and emergent with their decisions that, you know, they like to be able to adapt and they can handle things like that. When you get too locked down into a system or trying to prescribe ahead of time, what your round's going to be, you're kind of hampering that adaptability. So I would say use a system to help you make those decisions in the moment. You know um, you can leave options open. I mean, obviously when you're doing your practice round, there's going to be some holes where you're like, I can't hit driver here or whatever. And so there's a big X. Otherwise I try to make more of the decisions in the moment, but use a tool like decade to help you make those real logical decisions in picking a part of golf course.
2: Well, and I am a decade user. And I think if I heard the message there is, you know, decade has now tools for tee shots, like here's how far your tee ball goes. And so what you're saying there is don't necessarily get locked in that, Oh, this, this hole is a four wood because it looks perfect here. It's just being open to what the options are, because maybe the wind is into you, and now, oh, I can pop driver now, and that's, you know, just thinking about that way?
1: Correct. I mean, I would say, like, you want to make your course management or your practice rounds, like, based off just numbers. So, what's that number you're trying to get to off the tee? Now, that might be a driver, it could be a three-wood, right, depending upon what the situation is, but you know what your ideal number is. Um, those types of things still leave your club choices open. The challenge is, is if you're a perceiver, the, we get more rigid, the more planning that gets into place and it actually hampers us. So it's to have a good broad idea, a general idea of what you want to do, but kind of leave it open and make those, your game time decisions based off the factors in front of you. So more number based.
2: So, so going down that route is, is then is, is aim point, Something that is a great idea for someone like me versus again the person that kind of just looks at the putt and says, Yeah, it looks." I mean, feeling the slopes is that a positive for someone like me to be thinking about that?
1: Sure, I mean you get data points again, right? So like if you know this is a certain degree or slope, you know you're going to have a lot more confidence in, in arriving to your decision. So I do think that those that, those points are great for an ISTP, hundred percent.
2: That makes a lot of sense. I mean, like, like you guys, I have a, a friend circle that we play a hole and I'm like, Oh, it's, I did that math like I did before and they're looking at me and they call me Bryson. And I'm like, I don't think I'm even close to Bryson guys, but they're like, I don't know a word you just said.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it's uh, again, seeing those differences is, is interesting. <clears throat> and some that John and I talk about a lot uh, on this is something we call player envy. That it's easy to to fall into the trap of what somebody's doing well and say, well, maybe I should be doing that, you know. And uh, you know, I tell stories a lot, like I, because I am different than you. If uh, ten years ago, if I would have had you on the lesson tea, I would have tried to talk you out of all that stuff. That so you're just overthinking it. So, you know, I think it's just important to understand. You know, I'm really comfortable when I do this, having those self evaluation moments of when I do do this, I play really well. You know, that's always the key is is having those those moments of just saying like, look, when I'm doing this, I play really well and being able to have that link is really the ticket to all of this. You know, there's theory. And then there's like, look, I do really well doing this. And that's what we're always trying to show you.
2: Yeah. It's it's been really interesting. I've been trying to reflect on and, and what you guys have helped with is take the guesswork out of what is causing success. Like my best rounds, have been tournament rounds. It's odd. Like in my, when I'm on, when I'm by my when I'm with friends or like my coach, I don't score well. I literally don't. And because I'm talking to them, and then I was reflecting on like I had a tournament. And I shot a, a 67 in the tournament, to end up winning it in day two. And I was trying to reflect on what it was. Well, I was playing with people I didn't know, so I didn't really have to talk to them. And I didn't have a caddy. I carried my bag, and I was just by myself. And I didn't have any of these negative thoughts like every time that day things just lined up I looked up and it looked right so I didn't have confusion but I'm always trying to find ways of is how, how do I eliminate that one day I look up and it doesn't look right and so that's really helpful on the intermediary point and, and I think Kyle I think you put on on your Instagram page that tiger concept um, that John's talking about it's funny I looked at the other day I'm like oh that's what I need to do and and John you just saying that just reiterates that so that's awesome that's kind of a guessing thing but I was Thinking that way, too, because I hit the simulator all the time and I'm like, wow, this is like I'm hitting really well. Then I go out in the course and it's like, what happened?
1: Well, a great visualization for you is actually just get into the simulator, right, where you're all alone. You know, your alignment's good and it's just you and executing that task. I mean, Austin and I stumbled across something like that as well. He's an ISTJ, so he's a little more planned and uh, regimented with the way he goes about it. And we noticed when he was at the Bender Academy, there was a wall there for some of these drills. And then he'd set up his little swing station and he was just perfectly at peace. Nobody was bugging him. He's just making his move. And it's just stripe show. And so we took that concept to the course and we talked about getting relaxed into our swing station. And you can be visualizing that, you know, when you're behind the ball, taking a nice breath. You could be just imagining it's just you in that setting and just stepping right into your alignment rod. And it's just in that simulator, that place where you're most comfortable and confident, where you just know if I just do this, it's, it's pure. And so I would take that right into the course with things. I also think you probably play your best rounds, uh, to tournament wise, because there's pressure and for peas, you kind of need some of that pressure or urgency sometimes to get really focused and engaged. And so you might want to try to jack up some of that competitiveness in your team practice and things with some of the players, uh, because that's going to help you focus and kind of take your your process a little more serious, getting the job done. Uh, I would always tell a type like yours, your socializing is actually your least developed function on the board of four. I would hold off the beers and the socializing as much as possible till after the round, right? Like, that's the great time, 19th hole is, is an awesome time to begin doing a lot of your socializing and kind of chit chat about the round and how the day was going. But it, bring in a little bit more urgency of, of a competitive kind of pressure you know, into your practice, you're gonna score better there with your team. And then uh, you know, do your best to kind of manage when the socializing is taking away from your task, right? And when that's starting to happen with your teammates, that's when you wanna start pulling away. If you start notice yourself leaking a couple shots, carve out a few minutes to yourself. Walk quietly. Let them, you know, get in your bag and let them get up ahead of you so you can have your own walk to your next shot. And this will help you to kind of get within yourself and recharge more so you have a better output on your next shot process.
2: Yeah, what you said there, John, really resonates because I've caught myself after, you know, maybe it's in the tournament and I just, there's four holes left and whatever minds I've convinced myself it's over. You've lost Like, you never know, like when an electric appliance, like that blue smoke comes out of it, like it's just gone and stops working. That's how I feel. And I'm like, oh, it's over. And then all of a sudden, like, it's like I've never hit a golf ball before. Um, And I think that falls right in line with what you said. And that's something I'm trying to do a better job on of recanting. How did I get there? What were the thoughts that were happening? And historically, they were when I'm playing with the leader and all I'm doing is watching him. And I'm like, oh, he didn't make a mistake. There's no mistake, no mistake. And then I'm just thinking through them, and that leads me to my last question, John: Is is like if you're if you're playing, you know, even if it's a match play, and I know, like we talked about that, you need to go in your own world. How how do I perform in a match play scenario where I need to know what's happening over here? Like, I need to pay attention and think about that.
1: Yeah, again, it's kind of like. You're watching and paying attention, but what still has to take dominance in your attention is what your task is in your job. Again, for a thinker getting too caught up in the performance of other people, okay? It's, it's gonna take you away from your responsibilities and, and now you're done supervising your game, you're concerned with your opponent. I would say I would, I would give less less credit to the people around. I would start saying my game is good enough, I'm gonna do my thing and dictate what the pace is of this match play. Okay. And they're, they're playing it with me, right? I would, I would be trying to set the tone there and I would be a lot more worried or concerned, not worries, not the right word, but more focused on, on executing your steps with that pressure. They're not going to make a mistake is a good mindset because it's going to give you a little bit of pressure. That means I must do my job here. And that's what I would be trying to tell myself. And then again, get back into your job. If you're supervising more of your game in those situations, you're going to play better in match play. And if you do your job, then they have to work to beat you. Yeah, that, but that if, really it, resonates a lot. But if yeah. you're getting too caught up in them, you're actually giving them the competitive edge because at best, you're a split mind, right? You're you're 50% in your game, 50% in their game, and that's going to be tough to bring that that level of focus into your shots to really execute well and beat them.
2: Yeah, that really resonates, because I think when I'm playing at my best, I literally either have to ask my caddy or some, the other person, like, what what did they get in that hole? Like, I I literally sit there and I have no clue how many shots they hit. I'm just in my own world, and that's when I'm at my
1: best. Yeah, and I mean, think about Tiger. I mean, I always go back to the point, because I just watched it, you know, two feet away from me at Oakmont, you know, back in 09 or whenever that was. He's standing there teeing up with Aaron Batterley on the second hole. I mean, there are thousands of people around that box and tiger's eyes are on the tee box uh or looking at the marker he's in his space and he probably to him it was just him and that that tee box i mean he wasn't even concerned with it and so i would just start saying hey i know my game is good that if i play my game you know i have this and they're gonna have to work hard to beat me and and you set the tone get into your own space, lock your tasks down. And then afterwards, that's when you, you know, socialize in the clubhouse after you beat them.
2: Yeah, that resonates a lot. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Well, one more, if we have a second is, is, if I have a caddy that I don't know or anyone I know, what, what, what thoughts with my profile should I be giving them coaching on to help me the most?
1: Well, I would have them not inject the options. Okay. I wouldn't have them give you a club choice or suggest a ball flight. That would be, unless you know them, I would basically be telling them, find out what data points you want to rely on them, whether that's yardage helping you with the wind, different things, but it should just be identifying facts of the shot for you. That's what I'd be using them to bounce around. But I would want them just to talk to the facts and then if you needed it, that's what I would talk about. And then you go into your mind and chunk down your data points to your bottom line. I would try to avoid them giving you a ball flight or a club because if that's not what you were thinking initially, it can activate your intuition. It can bring up doubt. Well, what if it is that club? That is the right club, but I'm feeling this. And then again, we have extra work to do to kind of, Chunk it down, right? So with Austin, I, I tend not to try to give a club. I want him to come to that decision. So let's, hey, it's, it's, we need a 260 or, you know, 250 carry here. Well, do you like this club or that? Well, it's a 250 carry. You know, I, I'm trying to get him to get to that choice because I don't want to insert options to create a doubt. I'd rather you commit to what you're most comfortable with. And their job should just be to help facilitate that decision making process. And so assign data points and if it depends, if you want to talk or not. And if you don't want to chat, unless you need extra input, I would say, wait till, you know, I ask for it. I'll go through it myself. Otherwise I'll, I'll bring it up.
2: Yeah, that it's funny. Cause I just think of the little things you hear on the T and maybe someone you're playing with is like, shows you their nine iron and all of a sudden, you know, that puts doubt in my mind. Like, well, why is it hitting a nine? Should I be hitting a nine? You know, that kind of stuff. And to your point, that's exactly right where my mind goes. And something I'm gonna to try to stay away from. It's also in my mind, since you know, I like to build clubs too. I'm like, well, my nine might not be your nine, like my loft might be different. So how are we even comparing? Mm-hmm.
1: Correct. Yeah, you, you really can. And again, if you look at your type, your your last two modes of operating, worrying inside or activating intuition, what ifs, you know, possibilities. And then outward focus on people. This is a stress decision-making. Looking at that guy, what's he doing? Making your decision off that. What if this is the right club? Maybe he has it right. This is that loop um, that's that would indicate a lot of stress for an ISTP. Again, get inside. What do I know? What, what's true in my game? Uh, and focus more heavily on your task. You'll have a lot more confidence going into every shot by doing that. Um, but yeah, too much worry about other people and their input can definitely bring in a lot of those doubts.
2: Yeah, that helps me a lot. I mean, there's a lot to think about. And, you know, I'll start implementing the intermediary point. And I think you said on another one is, is it might take some time to build that trust, but you probably also remove the worrying of well, what's out there concept. And you're like, oh, I'm lined up to this and let's go.
1: It's not even so much building the trust. It's about getting into the habit of consistently approaching, let's say, your focus that way. okay? and so you still since you've had so many reinforcements in the past of the other way, that's really the changeover. And then eventually it's just once you commit to it, because you're like, man, every time I do this, I stripe it. It starts to take more and more dominance and priority in the game. And pretty soon the old habits wiped out. Uh, but the tendency will remain. So the more you can get in tune with it in the initial stages and how that shows up for you, the easier it is to correct it out there.
2: Yeah, it's been really helpful. I mean, I'm looking forward to putting a lot of this into play. I mean, uh, I'm a plus two currently. I didn't play in high school or college. Um, I'm 35 now. My goal is to play at a you know a national level. So mid-AMS or the am- USAMS Getting it's weird being the old one there. It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm gonna keep working on this, and I'll probably have to give you guys an update as we move into the golf season and see how it's going.
1: Yeah, it'd be awesome. That's yeah, great sounds great with Martin. Yeah. Okay,
0: very cool to have Martin on. In you know, hearing what he's doing and his competitive journey with this and how he's been using mental golf type and some of the things we've been able to talk about today. Uh, it's really cool. So I want to thank Martin for coming on the show. I want to thank you for following the Go Low Show. And again, if you haven't yet, make sure to jump on MentalGolfType.com. get your free assessment, get your type and some of the free content that comes along with that. And the, we've got lots more coming for you as well. We're here to help. So again, thank you so much for following the Go Low Show. We will see you in that next episode.